0: Today we're going to be talking, we're continuing our, ser- our sermon series on the Holy Spirit, and if you haven't been here with us before, we're just engaging with the conversation around the Holy Spirit and how He empowers our ordinary lives. We don't want to just experience the Holy Spirit on Sunday gatherings. We don't want to just experience His present presence here. Now that's a good thing, right? Like we want more of this. We want more of this. Sunday gatherings are important, but we also want to... Experience his empowering presence in every aspect of our lives. When we're at work, when we're having conversations with that person that doesn't know Jesus, when we're getting ready for bed and just going and doing random chores around the house, when you're brushing your teeth in the morning, everything. We want to experience his presence. And um, I want to talk this morning about something that I think is a pretty profound reality for followers of Jesus. And I'm really excited to share about this topic this morning. And we've talked about this before as a community back in House Church, so some of this might not necessarily be new for some of you. Um, But the best way to reveal the topic is to just show you via the scriptures. So if you wouldn't mind just opening up to Acts chapter 13, verse 2 with me real quick. It says... While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said. How does that work? The Holy Holy Spirit said to them, in what way? Did they hear the booming voice from the Lord like we have a couple times in the Gospels, right? Where God just like speaks resoundingly and they heard it in their worship. Did they hear it through the scriptures? Did someone have a prophetic word? How did they hear the Holy Spirit's voice? How did he speak to them? Or here, look at another one in Acts chapter 20, verse 22 and 23. It says, now behold... I'm going to Jerusalem constrained by the Spirit, knowing what will happen, or not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. So this is Paul knowing that he's supposed to go to Jerusalem, and his community is like, no, 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 it's going to be bad for you there. Like, don't do that. Like, don't don't enter into suffering, Paul. But he, he says, I'm constrained by the Spirit. How am I constrained by the Spirit? Every time I enter into a new city, the Spirit speaks to me, testifies, tells me that imprisonment and afflictions await me. How did that happen? Like, in what way? How did the Holy Spirit testify to Paul? Okay, one more. Turn with me over to um, Acts chapter 16. So we'll go back just a little bit in verse 6. Acts chapter 16. So Paul is on a missionary journey with um, his church planting team and it says, and they went through the, free, or the region of Phrygia, Galatia, having having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit, to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go down into Bithynia. But the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. There it is again. How? So, passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night a man of Macedonia was standing there urging him saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately we sought to go on into Macedonia, which is a region of many cities, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Okay, so from initially reading this passage, it looks like Paul went through quite a bit of trouble just to realize that he was supposed to go to Macedonia. He's going all over the map, like bouncing from city to city only to hear the Holy Spirit say, no, not there. Not, not here. Next one. Why did Paul have to traverse everywhere only to hear those words? Why was the Spirit almost leading him on this wild goose chase? Can you imagine how, much, how that might have felt for him? How it must have felt for his church planting team Are you, Paul, are you sure you know what you're doing? Are you hearing his voice correctly? Like maybe you're misinterpreting this, or is there any sin in your life that's making you mess up? He wasn't alone. He was leading people, so his decisions had effect, right? They affected other people. But he had to trust the Lord, Maybe you're in this situation too. Maybe you feel like God is leading you to places only to tell you, no, not there. Maybe you're asking questions like, what, what am I, why am I doing this, God? What's the point? What's the point of all of this? Or am I really doing this right? And maybe you have a pretty clear vision of where you're supposed to go, but the way to get there doesn't actually make that much sense. In this passage, you can conclude that Paul was in constant communication with the Spirit that he was constantly trying to listen to the Holy Spirit's voice. And this is just speculation, but I wonder if that line of communication would have been lowered if God would have just given him the clear directive to go to Macedonia, right? I mean, in my own life, like when I know the plan, sometimes I forget God. I start like leaning into all the pathways as opposed to just listening to him going, okay, what's next, what's next? And then every step, okay, I I know that this is what you said to do, so boom. And sometimes you're waiting for that next step like, ah. God wants to talk to you. He wants to talk with you. He loves to communicate with us. There's this back and forth. God is speaking to you and I even now. The question is, are we willing to listen? Perhaps God was simply just inviting Paul into this practice of listening. God is a God who speaks. He's speaking to us even now. And according to these passages that we've looked at, the Holy Spirit plays a role in our ability to hear him. Do you guys talk to God? What is that like? Or better yet, um, does God talk to you? And for those of you that have answered yes to that question, what has he said to you recently? And what are you gonna do about it? What's next? What I want us to wrestle with this morning is how the Holy Spirit empowers us to hear the voice of God. My guess is that this topic doesn't need much convincing. Like we'd all love to hear God's voice, right? An atheist, you have a conversation with them, and they'd probably say the same thing. I'd love to hear God's voice. Like that would solidify a lot of things. Everybody wants to hear the voice of God. And even if you do hear, then it's safe to say that every single one of us that have a relationship and do listen to, the God, to God's voice and hear him speak to us all the time, genuinely want to hear it more. So this doesn't really need convincing. And and oftentimes, I feel like sometimes we we don't know how to discern it, right? We're eager for it, but we don't know how to discern whether or not that was actually God speaking to us or if that was just pizza from last night. Like, I mean, so we, we need help, right? The invitation in front of us is to connect with the living God who is speaking to us all the time. But the challenge is that we have to decide whether or not we will give him our attention. God speaks, are you listening? And if you've heard his voice, what are you gonna do about it? So as a roadmap, we're gonna cover four things. God speaks, how does God speak? Three, why won't I listen? And four, how do we listen? So first, God speaks. The Bible shows us that God speaks all of the time. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 12, it says, The Lord spoke to you out of the fire. You heard the sound of words but saw no form, and there was only a voice. God is invisible, and though God can sometimes display himself in physical form, his primary way of communicating to his people is through voice. His primary means of communication is speaking in one form or another. So in Psalms 40, verse 6, there's this little phrase that says, you have opened my ears, or you have given me an open ear. So this metaphor says two things. First, hearing is a gift. It's been given to us. It's a work of God, and in a world that has fallen from natural listening in relationship to God, we rely on the work of the Holy Spirit to reopen our ears. And then second, the metaphor says that we have hard heads, that we need God to open our ears. God didn't scoop out our ears like ice cream, he dug them. The, the language, the word there is, is more like taking a pickaxe, he pierced my ears. Taking a pickaxe to our heads and almost uh, even maybe a stick of dynamite in there to break open the drunken stupor of um, inaudibility. Isaiah verse 50, or chapter 50 verse four says, "'Morning by morning he, awakened, he awakens my ear "'to listen as those who are taught.'" So God issues a wake-up call to us each morning, dragging us out of bed by our ears so that we may hear it and live as we are called. And Jesus even talks about listening to God. Here's one more. John 5, verse 30, I can do nothing on my own. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. If I was Jesus, I would have said, listen, I'm God, and I can do anything that I want. And my judgment is just because of that. But no, Jesus goes, I don't do anything of my own accord. I'm submitting to the Father's voice, and as he speaks to me, and then I hear it, Then I move forward. God is the one that's giving me wisdom. Think about the whole Bible for just a minute. A lot of the narrative and a lot of the stories that we find in the scriptures are stories of people who are hearing the voice of God and then acting on it. This is is a part of our heritage, a part of our lives. God is a God who speaks, but how? The Bible shows us that God speaks in a lot of different ways. We've got words spoken from heaven, words written on tablets, preaching and prophetic words, answered prayer, visual demonstrations, counsels and consensus, thoughts, dreams, visions, symbols, words from others, signs and creation, angels, music and song, spiritual gifts, the breaking of bread and the immersion in water or baptism. Common sense is a way that God can speak to us conviction of sin, impressions on the conscience through the scriptures themselves. And of course, if you don't know this story, a chatty donkey. And that God speaks through a literal donkey to his prophet so that he gets through his head what he was supposed to be doing. And some would argue that, yes, God spoke to his people back then in those ways. But now we have the scriptures. It's a solidified canon and we don't need to hear God's voice that way anymore. But this honestly seems ridiculous to me. Like, listen to me here, I'm not lowering the authority of Scripture, uh, like, the power, the Word of God is the primary authority that we discern and hear the words of God, but to say that He only speaks through the Scriptures now in no other way just seems absolutely absurd. Through the Scriptures, yes, we hear God's voice, but saying that God no long, longer speaks to us in other ways. Is like me looking at Meredith and saying, okay oh, babe, we've been together for four years, this is amazing, uh, Eloise is incredible, but I'm going away now, and you're never gonna talk to me again, and you're never gonna see me again, but I don't worry, I've written a book, and I've bounded it in leather, and I even inscribed your name on the front of it so that it's personalized for you, and this is the way that we're gonna communicate from now on. It just sounds ridiculous, right? <laughs> Oh, and by the way, I intend for you to grow in intimacy with me after that. that, That's an unrealistic expectation. See, Jesus is passionate about his bride. And he speaks to us all the time. Now, I think it's safe to say that most of us will never hear the audible voice of God, but he will speak to us so clearly within our souls that it will almost feel like he's speaking to us audibly. And here's how the Holy Spirit is involved. 1 Corinthians 2, verses 9 through 13. This is Paul writing to the church in Corinth, and he's, he quotes a, a verse in Isaiah from the book of Isaiah. He says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So essentially, Isaiah in this verse is talking about the the just wonder and glory and splendor of God. He's so beyond us. Like no eye has seen, no ear has heard. Like we are not him. There's an otherness and we cannot reach up to him. He's hes glorifying God. And so Paul quotes this and then kind of flips it. He says, these things God has revealed to us through the spirit. He's like, or Isaiah says, what no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. And he's like, yeah, but the Holy Spirit has revealed those things to us. We can. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thought except the spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now, We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words, not taught by human wisdom, but taught to us by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. Do you see what he's getting at? So like the spirit of God is the only one who can understand or hear or recognize the thoughts of God, who has the mind of God. And we get that, like we understand. I mean, in like I mean, he's going into psychology here, right? And our spirit is the only one who understands the internal components of who we are. We're the only. I mean, there's this like separation there, and and Paul is looking at this um, church in Corinth and saying, or writing to them and saying, essentially, you have the spirit of God inside of you, which means you. He continues on later in this passage he says you have the mind of christ it is through the spirit that our ear has heard the things freely given to us by god it is by the spirit that we can hear god's voice now probably the most common question i get asked about this subject is why can't I hear God's voice? Which is a a good question. But I wonder if the more accurate question is why won't I hear God's voice? If God is in the business of communicating with his people, why do we still struggle with it? Why Why do we struggle to hear? In the book of Revelation, in chapter 30, verse 20, it says, or Jesus says, listen, I am standing at the door knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come into you and eat with you. So it looks like the true listeners hear Jesus' voice and then invite him in. But if we're honest with ourselves, many times we keep the doors closed. Oftentimes we don't hear him on the other side of the door saying, Hey, let me in. But why is that? There's a few things in my own life that I've noticed that keep me, they're barriers that keep me from hearing God's voice and actually pulling him in. First is noise. There's a lot of noise in our culture, a lot of voices, whether that's Instagram, ads, marketing, news, whether that's our family of origin, whether that's our literal family, our roommates, Netflix, We hear a lot of voices, a lot of opinions and ideologies vying for our attention, demanding that we give them our time. And it fills our heads with so many different, like ideologies and pathways for life. But Jesus is the only one who actually provides real life. But see, God's voice, God God is not the only one speaking. And that makes it really difficult to hear him sometimes. But two, sometimes it's complacency. Now, oftentimes our lives aren't too noisy, they're too quiet. Instead of being a living stone, building up the body of Christ, we're rolling stones, sitting on our couches, watching church from our TV screens. We're complacent. We're not actually obedient to the things that God has called us to. I can't tell you how many times in my own life, like a couple years ago, there was something specific that the Lord wanted me to stop doing. And it wasn't a sin. Uh, it wasn't like he was saying, hey, stop doing that. That's evil and it's sinful. But he just wanted me to remove something from my life for a period of time. And I disobeyed, <laughs> I just didn't continue on. I was like, all right, come on. I'm just gonna keep going with my life. Thanks for that, Lord. That's, a, that's an interesting insight. I'll hold on to that, put it in my back pocket and move forward. Boom, I did not hear, I mean, immediately, it was like the voice of God stopped. And a few months later, I'd forgotten about that communication. And I remember sitting down with the Lord and being like, God, I need to hear from you, please. Like, I need to hear from you. And a week went by, I need to hear from you. I need extra revelation. I'm asking for vision for the future. And then I ended up going to Meredith and I'm like, babe, um, like something, like, something's blocking me. Help me figure this out. I, I, I need vision. And I, I'm just not hearing God's voice the way that I used to. And like the wise woman that she is, she reminded me of what the Lord had said to me a few months ago. And she was like, he's probably just waiting for you to obey. And it opened up my ears again. We can't live complacent lives. Or maybe it's mission. Some of us aren't engaging with the lost. We're not out in the world. And God has called us to be evangelists, to speak truth, to speak the gospel in our lives. And when we live complacently, not serving the overlooked, the lost, and abandoned, it hinders us from hearing God's voice. Two, fear. To affirm, or three, fear. To affirm that God speaks and that it's not just our imagination is actually really terrifying. Because it's not us speaking, what if we don't like what he has to say? Right? Like listening to God's actual voice means that there's a chance he would say something that makes us feel uncomfortable. And we like control over our lives. For we live fragmented lives. We fragment ourselves into the sacred and to the spiritual. And we say, this is for God and this is not. And that fragmentation hinders our ability to hear God's voice in those moments. Because sometimes God doesn't just want to speak to you in the religious components of our lives and religion isn't all bad. I know there's a whole movement that talks about like relationship and religion and, and how like God is longing for a relationship. He's not wanting you to be religious, but that word religion simply just means reconnect. And so there are practices and processes that God has put in place so that we can reconnect with God. He's not just our savior, he's our Lord and he expects us to submit to him. So we, we need to stop fragmenting and compartmentalizing our lives into different spaces because God wants to speak to us in every aspect of our lives. Five, we're not reading the scriptures. As, simply put, this is the word of God. It's God's words compiled over 2,000 years by over 50 different authors over the course of spanning like different societies and ethnic groups. Like this Bible was compiled and breathed through the Holy Spirit. It is the very words of God. It's not just moral absolutes and stories. It's changed my life. And if we're not leaning into the scriptures, it's gonna be really hard for us to hear him. And then last but not least, individualism. We love to hold our relationship with Jesus to ourselves. We don't walk in confession. We don't walk in community. But see, God often speaks to us most clearly when we share what we think he's speaking to us with other people. And they can either say, nope, that's bad. That's wrong. Or, yep, no, you're right. I think the Lord is speaking to you in that way. We we weigh things with community, with the people of God, so that um, we can create a more clear picture of how he's communicating to us. Which one of these do you see in your own life? Now, this isn't an exhaustive or extensive list. I mean, there's plenty of other ways that we can create barriers, but we have probably experienced a mixture of these and more over the course of our lives, or maybe even right now. God is a God who speaks. Have you postured your life to listen to what he's saying? Are you breaking down the barriers? Are you you helping the Holy Spirit and clearing your ears? So lastly, how do we hear? If we think we're hearing God speak to us, how do we actually discern that? How do we know whether or not God is actually speaking to us? One, harmony with scripture. Case in point, the Lord will not speak anything contradictory to what's in this word. So when you're hearing, lean into the scriptures. Ask the Lord to give you a totem in a way to understand what he's saying through the word. Two, in confirmation with community, we've talked about this a little bit just before this. Like We want a community that's devoted to the scriptures, that's devoted to the people of God to help you lean in and understand. So you want confirmation with God's voice in that. And then last but not least, the practices of Jesus, or spiritual disciplines, or practices, etc. So John Thompson, in his book Conversion or Convergence, puts um, the spiritual practices or disciplines this way. He says, spiritual practices, disciplines, habits, all capable of continual improvement, help us walk with God and each other in order to be changed and hear what God wants us to do. They are activities that place you in the presence of God so that you can continually grow in your faith. They include acts like fasting, fasting, solitude, silence, corporate worship, prayer, service, confession, and study among others. To become like Jesus, the same Spirit that was on him and in him must fill us, and we must incorporate the disciplines he used in his relationship with the Father." Essentially, he's talking about the reality that the way, I mean, if you read the book of Luke, if you read the Gospels, and you recognize Jesus' relationship with the Holy Spirit, you realize that the way that Jesus heard his, his Father's voice was through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. In Philippians 2, it talks about how Jesus had actually set aside his God card, that though he was in the form of God, he did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant. So he didn't set aside his divinity. His divinity is in full tact, he's 100% God, and man, that's not what we're getting at. But when he was operating in power, he chose to not operate in the power of his Jesusness and his divinity. He chose to operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. Anointed through the Holy Spirit, he was then enabled to have words of knowledge, to hear God's voice, to do healings, to enact miracles, to teach with authority and on and on and on it goes. And how did he cultivate that? Through the spiritual disciplines. And as you read the gospels, you see Jesus actually following these disciplines. You just read them yourself, it's incredible. You see him like engaging in different ways through fasting, solitude, silence. He would go away to desolate places. He worshiped corporately with his disciples. He prayed with them, he served other people. Like these, these are things that Jesus did. And if we hope to operate in any power of the spirit, this is our only hope, that Jesus is our model. So we have to learn to like follow in his steps and match our pace to his. Now, obviously he's Jesus, we're not, he's perfect, we're not. So we're not gonna be able to live up to that. But the, the desire is to run after that goal, right? To run after him. And there's been loads of volumes, books, and resources devoted to the topic of practices, some that have been integral to shaping my life and who I am. Uh, One of them is the Spiritual Disciplines for the Christian Life by Donald Whitney. And I just wanna list these off for you guys so that you have some resources if you're curious about the practices. Um, So when I was a freshman in high school, my youth pastor took 10 dudes that would meet together on Sunday nights after the service, and we would walk through this book together And it just lists off tons of different practices. It's beautiful and it really shaped my relationship with Jesus and what it meant to follow him back in high school. Then there's Spirit of the Disciplines by Dallas Willard. Dallas Willard is one of the seminal authorities and voices on the idea and the concept of the spiritual disciplines. Now, obviously, Jesus is, but he, in our generation, it has been somebody that has paved the way for this conversation. An Invitation to a Journey by Robert Mulholland. Um, Beautiful book. It talks about disciplines and soul care and the spiritual life. And then last but not least, practicingtheway.org via John Mark Comer. Um, this is an amazing website resource so if you're curious about any specific spiritual discipline, you can probably go on to there, look at their archives, click search, like prayer, solitude, proclaiming the gospel, whatever it is, and it will give you uh, videos, sermons, um, like four-step processes on how to practice those things, how to process them in community. It's an amazing resource, and there's tons of stuff on there. So if you're interested in digging in, that's what I, where I would point you. So I don't feel any need to dive into the details of all of the different disciplines and practices this morning, Um, but I, I want to at least kind of activate your taste buds. Here's a handful of broader practices and categories that have been vital for me. One, silence and solitude. It's just a moment of intentional time and quiet and listening to be alone with God. I do this every morning, or at least I try. I spend at least 10 minutes, just no phone, Eyes closed, breath prayer, breathing in and out, saying, come Holy Spirit, listening, waiting for the Lord to speak. Sometimes I feel peace, sometimes I'm still agitated and ready to move forward, and sometimes the Lord will speak to me. And it's exactly the bread that I needed for that day. Scripture, continually committing to studying the word of God, to leaning in, immersing our imaginations in the scriptures so that we can see the world through the lens that the Holy Spirit has activated and animated in his word. Prayer, central to life with God. Some people call prayer talking to God or talking with God, but ultimately at its simplest form, prayer is being with God. It's communing with him. It's learning to recognize that he's present with us in this very moment. Fasting, a willing abstinence from food for a period of time. We're sacrificing something that can be good to recognize and help our souls understand the significance of the better. We're saying, you know, I need food, but I need God a lot more. I need, or or maybe sometimes I'll fast and instead of eating lunch, I'll read my Bible. I need I need the word a lot, and so it's it's a way of almost praying with our bodies, enables us to like just awaken our entire bodies because we are mind, body, soul, spirit, emotions, all of those things. It's integrating ourselves to the recognition of our reliance on God. Simplicity, structuring your life in such a way that becomes more freeing. Sabbath. A day that is set aside for rest and worship, including church on Sundays. Uh, Kirsten and Devin know this, but um, in staff, when things get difficult or when people get tired or when things go awry or crazy, um, I usually don't start with, hey, are you, what, what's wrong here? Like and hitting the issue, I'll ask, are you Sabbathing? Because rest is actually what flows into work. Oftentimes we think that we should work for rest, but it's the opposite. We work from rest. So if that pattern isn't in your life, then that's probably a good place to start. God is a God who speaks. He speaks in harmony with scripture and confirmation with the community. He speaks to us patiently through the practices. And I said this question at the beginning, but I want to say it again. If you've heard his voice, what are you going to do about it? There's this moment in John 10 where Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd and my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. It's this picture of sheep grazing and the shepherd walks up and he speaks to them. And as they're grazing, they look up at him. He says something and they look. That's, that's a beautiful picture. Jesus explains that because of the intimacy that he has with his people, two things happen. They hear his voice and then they follow him. I'm the good shepherd, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. They listen and they obey. The words listen and obey have the same root. In Latin, the word obey would not even exist without the word listen. The word we translate into English as obedience literally means a listening from below. So obedience is a deep listening. It's a listening of the whole person or a hearing with your ears and with your heart and with your arms and with your legs. It's a, it's a, a hearing with every aspect of who you are. Carl Barth said that the best way to test the authenticity of a communication from God is to act on it and see what happens. Remember the question at the beginning, what have you heard God say to you recently? Jesus is speaking to us all the time. He longs to speak with you. He wants to communicate with you, and he's given you his word and a community and the practices to discern his voice. What have you heard God say? That's good. It's profound even. Now it's time to listen with your feet. This topic is for everyone. No matter where you are in life, the practice of listening is for you. Listening, hearing, and doing. You don't have to be a super, super Christian to do this. God, God speaks to ordinary people like you and me. like I don't know if God's spoken to me or not well what do you need to remove from your life what's what's keeping you from hearing is it noise complacency fear fragmentation individualism are you praying are you reading the scriptures and when you've done that ask him to speak to you and then spend time listening or rather ask him to speak to you and spend time waiting when we typically think of the word waiting, we get this idea of passive, twiddling our thumbs, just letting something happen, hoping for it to happen. But we have an image in our culture that I think speaks to this even more profoundly. When you go to a resta- restaurant, who comes to your table? A waiter, right? And what are they doing? They're waiting. See, we, we don't need to just wait for God. We need to wait on God. Hey, do you need anything? Can I get you a refill? Do you need more chips and queso? Yes, always more chips and queso. Like The answer is yes, you can always. We wait on God, not just wait for him. Get on your knees in prayer, learn to sit in his presence, get into community, pay attention to your life, get into the scriptures. And actually do the things that Jesus has called us to do. Place yourself in the presence of God through the practices that Jesus shows us. Do not wait for God to speak. Wait on God to speak. God is a God who speaks. Are you listening? If you have heard his voice, what are you going to do about it? The question is, are you willing to grow? Are you willing to become the kind of people who hear and obey. Now, we wouldn't have a, a message on listening if we didn't spend time listening. And we've done this regularly as a community. We're going to spend a few moments in silence, waiting, and the band can go ahead and come back up. But we're, we're going we're to spend a few moments just listening, waiting on God, Wait for him to speak to you. I'll pray and then we'll spend about 60 seconds just waiting on the Lord and then we'll continue in worship and ministry. And I want you to know that like God, he he wants to speak with you. He wants to lift you up. He wants to encourage you. He wants to empower you to hear his voice in the ordinary moments. This is a profound intimacy that we have with God, that we actually get to sit in his presence. And maybe for some of you in the room, there's been some, this has been a season where the things that used to help you hear God's voice are no longer helping you hear his voice. Like the the disciplines that you were practicing seem to like not be working as much anymore. And you feel like he's been silent. God speaks through silence. Perhaps you've entered into a season where he's drawing you deeper into him. And he wants you to just be content with sitting there with him. It's like the old couple that's been married for 60 years you see them eating at the dinner table at a restaurant and they literally say zero words to each other and you're like man there is a love there that is content with presence maybe that's what the lord wants with you and in a way he's speaking through that so let's pray and then we'll wait on the lord